They couldn't make that less of a robotic voice. I, I feel like that's... Do you want it to be less of a robotic voice? Like, yeah. He wants it to be sultry. <laughs> yes. Sensual. Does it, does it sound does it yeah. sound sensual and all of those things i don't i don't get Not that from it sounds animated but. it is that's, that's my point like I, I i want it i want it to be i want it to sound more like a person like mm. recording in progress did, did you know they actually hire people to record those i know i know they do yeah yeah I have I I've, I've watched too many YouTube videos using like the the canned robotic voices from all the different like sources, and so I can't find anything I can't find those as anything other than funny because I'm too used to hearing them say funny stuff. So <laughs> okay, I've wasted enough of our time. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, so we'll go ahead we go. and get together in three, two. Welcome back to Recap. I don't know why I'm doing this. The podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. Most times, I would say always, but most times, I'm your host, Joshua Hyde. With me today are fun group of people from the podcast, from the, I almost did, Pointcast team. Uh, we've got Anthony Arnold, uh, host of Smart Politics and a writer of ours. We have our data analyst and sometimes host of Recap, Alex Crow-Hannon, and the boss lady of PointCast herself, Miss Francine Dash. Everybody, how you doing today? With, wow, with that introduction, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Well, I'm always the first one to speak up, I noticed that. Is I feel like a little bit of a setup in there. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I always introduce you last. These are the most appropriate uh, ones, so we let you go first. I was going to make fun of Josh doing, like, finger guns, but... <laughs> <laughs> you uh, missed your opportunity. <laughs> uh, Francine, beauty before grace. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, glad you guys could join me today. We have a, a bit of a doozy of an episode. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get it started with Alex. Alex, yeah. is everybody? Should um, we pray gonna... for Alex first before he goes into the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's talk to me about the trends, buddy. How are we doing? We're going to talk about everyone's favorite I word. Inflation. I Oh, oh okay. okay. That's the one. <laughs> we, we, knew, we knew not at all what that word was going to be. I was really struggling. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so what is inflation? Um, so inflation is the, the tendency of prices to go up over time. Um, so uh, the, um, it has long been held uh, like um, just like good macroeconomics uh, to hold inflation at a steady, two, you know, at or below 2%. Um, and if we go over um, the past uh, 10 years of um, like U.S. Uh, annual inflation, um, we, we, uh, we hit a high in 2011 at 3%, uh, a low in 2015 of 0.7%. And we uh, say are almost constantly in this... Uh, between zero and two percent range, uh, averaging about one point seven. Mm -hmm. And then twenty twenty one happens, and we're experiencing six point two percent average increase uh, in, in inflation rate as of October. Oh, Ooh. 
So does inflation take into consideration the general overall cost of living? Isn't there a cost of living like index or what people are being paid or is it just yeah, the prices so are the, Yeah. So the way that this works is using, um, it's calculated based upon the consumer price index. Um, it's just published monthly by the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics. Gotcha. So um, basically just uh, how much, um, how much is this, how much are prices going up? Like, uh, like uh, they have a variety of um, like different, like core, I- like key items that like, everyone buys. So like bread is one of the examples, milk is one of the other examples, gas, things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, the things that everyone buys, they just measure like the price over in of those things over time and how they change. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the, the big question that every, that everybody's wondering is why? Hmm. Um, we've had a essay. There is one narrative going around um, amongst the uh, oh, uh, the corporate elite um, who are saying, "Well, it's because of the bailout. It's because we kept giving people money." That's that's their narrative. Um, and so I I'm going to on this section segment we're going to challenge that narrative because it's nonsense. Okay. So let's begin by looking. So if this were true, if um, the the inflation that we're observing is um, is proportional to the amount, like the money given, then clearly countries that gave more would be experiencing higher inflation, right? That would be the the logical. All right. Well, um, as we, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go through the numbers. You can look them up yourself. But if you just go through any European country, um, any Western European country, so like West Germany or East, <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about uh, sorry, Germany or West. We're not going to talk about the Eastern Bloc. Okay. <laughs> oh, Did I think he you dropped out. I think he dropped out. Yeah, so it's it's looking like, oh, there, you go. there we go. Okay. There he's back. All right. Okay. So, um, oh, we got hacked by the East Germans. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned us. They must be shut down. <laughs> must be shut down. Um, so the European countries gave much more generous um, uh, care packages than the United States did. Um, you know, uh, so Austria is experiencing le- less than two percent inflation. Denmark, less than 2%. Italy, less than 2%. Greece, less than 2%. Canada, 2.1%. You uh, know what? I, I have a point, though. It's not just that prices are rising. It's the rate of speed at which they're rising as well. And also, they were rising before the pandemic and before these so-called bailouts. So that doesn't really seem... Uh, you're, you're right. Um, but so like the big sudden increase in inflation didn't hit until April. Mm-hmm. Uh, at April, it peaked. Uh, it started so for January, February, and March, it was a it was in the average you know range of between one point four and two point six percent. A little high in March, two point six. Um, but then in April, it jumps up to four point two, and then in May, five, and then June, five point four. Right. And now in October, I say, and then in October, six point two. I say. I wonder if. This has anything to do with the fact that even though 
there's lots of people calling like labor shortages and everything. Uh, this has still been one of the most like lucrative quarters in many businesses histories, which I think is kind of odd given all the things that we have assumed would make them not make money. So. Yeah. So, um, so right. So the general, general, you know, uh, basic capitalism, right? Supply, demand, and then where they intersect price. Right. Well, what happened during the pandemic was transportation just kind of shut down. Um, for, you know, for, for a whole bunch of reasons, everybody just kind of stopped. So mm-hmm. low supply, also low demand because no one can afford anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no, there's very minimal currency turning or turning the system, low supply, low demand. Mm-hmm. But what's happened since uh, April is that people, we've been lifting restrictions. We've been telling people to go back to work. We've been telling people to do things normally. And so demand is going back up to like normal levels, but we haven't supply solved still. all of our supply chain problems. Yep. This sounds like a basic economics uh, oh. scenario. Uh, yeah, you got it, Francine. You got it. So, basic, yeah. basic economics uh, scenario. Um, everywhere in the world wants stuff mm-hmm. and Americans want a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but, every, but um, no one built new processing plants no one built more factories they're all the same factories mostly mm-hmm. in china mm-hmm. making all of the stuff and they're trying to fill more demand or i mean like the same or, level of demand yeah delayed like delayed demand right right yeah. yep yeah 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 we're trying yeah. to fill all the backlog of the things mm-hmm. that we promised mm-hmm when we thought things were going normally and we're, so we have all this backlog plus all of our normal stuff, plus the things that people are asking for, you know, in the future. I think all of these things are hitting at once too, with people changing jobs and careers because they've reevaluated their lives during this whole COVID thing and they want to live differently. So they're not so quick to go back to low paying service jobs. They want to have something that kind of gives their lives a little bit more meaning and maybe a little bit more control and so they're missing the people they used to have utilizing old systems there hasn't been enough time for them to transition i mean it seems like this this domino effect has more of an impact on the inflation rather than the money that was given to people to help them sustain themselves during the pandemic right and uh as and it's also just worth noticing noting right like you were talking about like the uh the labor the labor imbalance in the market right now Um, But the labor imbalance isn't like, again, there aren't factories. I think the Eastern Germans got them again. (laughs) Okay, there he is. Did they let you go? That was a quick, yeah. All right. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. I'm apparently having Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You need to start talking nicely about our Eastern European friends. That's (laughs) our Eastern European (laughs) friends. Yes, our, our friends in the the Hungary block. Okay, yeah. they're listening to the show. Apparently, <laughs> this is news to my no, news to me, and I'm reading the metrics. So, <laughs> but not just that. Um, I also want to talk about uh, the other bit going on right now, um, and that is corporations are talking because people are talking about inflation because inflation is this boogeyman that people are using. Corporations are gonna capitalists are gonna capitalist. 
And uh, any excuse to raise prices is uh, is an excuse we'll take. So, so the JP, JP Morgan approach is definitely still out there. If oh, yeah. To be made, um, you know. Yeah. And uh, the ins- a insider just ran a uh, piece in late November um, talking about uh, citing uh, various uh, retailers like Walmart increasing their prices on items that they have supply of no reason just we can because and we can blame it on inflation and no one will point it at us Hmm. well i mean this is the uh that that's how you actually get runaway inflation right right the fear of inflation leads to inflation and then it's runaway inflation because at that point it actually no longer corresponds to any of the underlying economics at all it goes up because of the fear of it and and that uh so the issue one of the issues with inflation is that really if you're under a certain age you have no real experience with it i mean as you noted earlier alex it's been kept at a relatively stable level for like decades now and the last time people really have a real experience of inflation would have been like Carter Reagan era, um, which, as a note, famously led to a bloodbath for Democrats in, in, in 1980. <laughs> so just as a note of the politics of this, um, if inflation continues to go up and runaway inflation at all takes hold, uh, it's, it's a bloodbath for the incoming for the current party. It's, it's a bloodbath politically. So um because they, they blame whoever's in office. I mean, that's who the, like yep. whoever whoever is currently in office. Well, yep. they <laughs> they they also blame regulation, right? right. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's so. Yeah. I mean, um, so are we going to dereg or are we going to amp it up? You know, well, uh, I mean, that that's the big question, right? Right, and that's the trick is that in order to uh, in order to put the brakes on it. You know, the Fed would have to raise interest rates on things like home loans. And, and it's a tight rope because then if you do that, if you go too far, you stagnate the economy. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're trying to recover it from COVID, you stall it out. And so there's a fine line that needs to be walked in. We'll see if, 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 if Fed Chair Jay Powell, we'll see if he can if he can pull it off. Um, I don't envy him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy anybody in our government right now. This is a hard time. To yeah. be running a country in, yeah. in any place, really. Well, especially when you're using, especially when you're using um, bad theory, right? Yeah. Well, and inflation. Look, inflation. I think is one of the hardest things to deal with as a member of, as a member of government. I think inflation is very, very difficult because, you know, at first they said it was transitory, so it was only gonna it was gonna be temporary, and you you want to downplay it because of the fears of runaway inflation. But at a certain point, you look foolish because people are going to the store. They're like, you can keep telling me it's not real, but it's I have to buy eggs. <laughs> but it's not that it's not real. It's that it's temporary. It is short. Right. It is it's transitory. It doesn't mean it's not real. It just means that it's, it's but like going three to months pass. It's like, you keep telling me it's going to go away. And you're like, it's been three months. So, and at a certain point, if you um, think it's transitory until March, I, you actually or whatever just pick a date in the future you actually can't tell people for the next six months not to worry about inflation like that's just not as they say that dog ain't gonna hunt like <laughs> and uh, you're stuck politically you're just stuck <laughs> you're, yeah. you're right 
I mean, there's a reason there's a reason that like the the uh, Federal Reserve is not like a like is not a political body yep. for exactly this reason, because yep. sometimes like economics demands that you do uh, that you do things that are not popular. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Yep. It'd be really interesting comparing this to other spots in history where we had so-called runaway inflation. Um, a couple of time frames come to mind, but it'd be just interesting to see if we are really as bad off as we think we are historically and some possible um, solutions that were implemented. And inflation has to be massaged over time. That's a really unpopular thing to say. Uh, there is no light switch. So it'd be interesting to look at some of the, the policies that were employed together over time that did work in our favor. So, yeah, especially when that we were absolutely... from that period. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that would be absolutely worth looking into. I, I didn't realize you were, you were still, sorry. I wasn't trying to talk no, over you're you. No worries. No, no, that's fine. But yeah. I'd be really interested in seeing, seeing that. So hint, hint, Alex, if you ever get a chance to... Uh, <laughs> bring oh, well, a comparative analysis uh, to the table that'd be awesome to do, school uh, get my phd in economics i mean yeah. all right sure <laughs> i mean why not why, why not throw another phd on the table i know i mean it's just don't settle dude yeah. you believe okay. in you. how many future me, how many PhDs? Saying, man, i'm i'm running for president you can have as many phds as you want how many That's PhDs does Hulk have? Just <laughs> a, How many PhDs does Bruce Banner have? Seven. Look, you went down this path, so I just want to throw this out. Once you get your PhD, you go by Xander. Am I allowed to call you Professor X? Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's... That's great. Well, in that case, Professor X, I expect this to be by tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> tomorrow. All right. All right. So uh, that's this is a, like a bit of a trends uh, report um, and the ongoing um, story of inflation. Can I, can I, can I reference you as Professor X moving forward? <laughs> Absolutely. I really, I really I feel do. like I want to do that. This is, you know, this he teaches, right? Is encouraged. He's somebody's professor. Yeah. I, I love getting few things bring me more joy than getting uh, emails from students. Professor Crohannon. It's wonderful. Just mm. like. That's too long. I'm in the X. Yeah. Professor X. <laughs> Professor Xander or Professor X? Professor X. All right. Yeah. I'll, there we go. I'll yeah. I love it. I love put it. Put that on the office, uh, yeah, yeah. office door. I'll, I'll get you, first. I'll get you, uh, I'll get you one of those office plaques. Like one of those custom office plaques. I'll send it to you for your birthday. Yeah. I love it. All over that. That's a good okay. project. So All yeah, right. I like that. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to something that's not necessarily as fun. Um, Anthony. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so for, for those who may not be aware, um, we're, we're, this is, uh, this right here that we're about to discuss is going to be the bulk of this episode, um, talking about abortion and the future of the legislation that we're about to talk about here in this poll. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Anthony. Yeah. So uh, our polls every Friday, they drop on social media. Uh, we really love to see you guys respond, share, interact. Because we love to interact with you in the comments section. We just love to hear how you guys feel about sort of things we bring up. So our poll uh, yesterday, the question at the top was, um, which one of these options do you agree and which option would be the best for the country overall in regards to abortion? And then we laid out sort of a, an example of a voter who was very sort of a single issue voter who was concerned about abortion. 
And at the end, we gave three options. We said there are people who want to, one, do away with abortions altogether. There are some who want to heavily regulate abortions by allowing them up to 15 weeks and or limiting the amount of abortions a woman can receive. And there were still others who wanted a third option, which was no restrictions on abortion access at all. So again, the question was, with which of these options do you agree and which option would be the best for the country overall? So I know, Josh, you've planned a discussion on this one. So for the purpose of limiting our response to the polls, we can hop into the more meatier discussion. Um, I would just ask if we just sort of stick to answering the poll question, and then I'm sure we'll be able to give our, you know, I know we're all going to get in our thoughts as we move into the discussion. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to yeah. spoil too many of your points right now. So uh, I'll start this time and then we'll go uh, Francine, Josh, and then Professor X. Um, I love that. I love that. That, that <laughs> has to continue. Old. I am so committed to this bit. (laughs) I am so committed. (laughs) Yep. So to answer this question, um, I would go with option three for the purpose of answering this question. I said I'll have extended thoughts, I'm sure, later. But for the purpose of this question, I thought number one was too draconian. Um, Number two was uh, too, too, there's not enough detail, like, I don't know what these regulations might be. What would this limit be? So there's not enough meat on the bones. And so for the purpose of the poll, I I thought number three was the one I would go with for the purpose of the poll. Uh, Francine? Okay, as far as the poll is concerned, I looked at those options. I agree with you. Number one, I thought was too absolute, um, especially when we talk about personal liberties for individuals in this country, being that, um, you know, we want to offer that to all humans, including women. Uh, number two uh, is just that's a current discussion being taken up by our Supreme Court. And um, it seems very arbitrary, but wanted to be fair to that point, because for some people that that is an issue. Um, and I have to say in between here that, well, I'll save it for later. But my my selection, because I remember Anthony's rules. See, I do pay attention. <laughs> I do pay attention. I just want to put that back on the table. Um, so I would go also with number three, no restrictions on abortion access at all. All right, Josh. So, uh, those of you who know me know that I don't mind tipping my hat and I wear my, uh, my values and my, my, what's the word opinions on my sleeve. Um, that's the reason why a good number of you love me and why a good number of you possibly also hate me. But uh, I think this discussion is stupid. Uh, option number three is the only one that makes sense. The other two are words that I'm going to save for later. <laughs> Very good. We're all following the rules. I like it. <laughs> I thought Uh-oh, I was- wait. Professor X, we have to see what he's going to do. I I was really thought I was going to be like the bold contrarian here, but you guys, I just be boring and just like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's option three. It just it has to be, and I will lay out my argument later. Yeah, well, that's what I think is good about the poll questions is that they limit by limiting the opinions. I think you can help think clearer about the issue. you know, I mean, issues can be complex, but we are given three options. And so even if it's uncomfortable trying to squeeze ourselves into one sometimes, uh, that's what the poll asks us to do. So, you know, you answer according to the rules of the poll. Uh, 
So <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I saw this poll come out yesterday and I, I very intentionally chose not to respond because I knew that if I did respond, my response would either be like one very short sentence or it would be like a five paragraph essay. And I know which one I was more leaning toward and didn't want to take the time to write a five paragraph essay on Facebook. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I know we're, look, I know we're all holding our, we're holding back. So I'm not, I'm not going to take up any more of our time. I'm going to let's get into the meat of this thing. But like I said at the top, uh, for the listeners, for the audience, every Friday polls come out, um, look for them on our Facebook, look for them on social media. Really love to see you guys. We'd love to interact. We'd love to just sort of know what our audience is thinking. So with that, I'm going to toss it back to, uh, to, to president. If he's the professor, you're president. We've established president Hyde president and professor Hyde. X. Yep. Um, so tossing it back to, to president Hyde. So um, there were kind of two parts to this discussion I wanted to have. First was about abortion as a whole, which I felt would be fairly short because I, I do believe even if we don't necessarily agree on the reason I, I think we're all in fairly fairly good solidarity about what we think should happen regarding abortion in this country but the other question I wanted to have was the potential future of the legislation Roe versus Wade that's what I that, that was the other half of what I wanted to talk about and so I've got some pointed questions about both uh, that I wanted to go ahead and ask you guys and kind of see how you felt regarding those two topics and kind of springing off from the poll here. So um, I know that we we really like labels here in America. And I know that in most cases, those labels usually serve to, um, in most cases, unite people, but sometimes separate them for obvious reasons. Um, because it may matter, to some people who listen, I wanted to see if you guys were interested in divulging on this episode, whether or not you were, as we've discussed, pro-life or pro-choice in the, the concept of abortion here in America. And if you want, I'll go ahead and start. Y'all probably know I'm pro-choice, and I feel like there's no other option that matters. So I'll go ahead and kick that around to you guys if you feel like it. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. I know that not everyone appreciates labels. But I'm more than happy to white knight pro-choice if I need to, because I definitely feel as though there are no other choices that matter. Uh, I'll answer second. I think, Francine, we talked about this briefly before. I don't know if, Josh, maybe you caught the tail end of it. But um, my stance is that the pro-choice and pro-life labels are completely unhelpful. (laughs) I do not. I think that a a big majority of people are both depending upon circumstances um and because one of them is a position you can hold in your personal life and the other one is a position you can hold about how the government should regulate other people right that's fair i know people who are pro-life personally but don't believe the government should tell everyone else they have to be pro-life um now, for me, if, if we're talking the position that the government should take, I'm pro-choice. We should not tell other people what to do, which I – but in general, yeah, I – as a general proposition, I truly dislike the labels pro-choice and pro-life. Um, I respect that. Because I think when you look at polling, I think a lot of people – you know, what I 
I mentioned this to you, Francine, because I kind of figured it would come up, but I mentioned this to you before we start recording, but yeah. half the country identifies roughly as pro-life, half identifies as pro-choice. If you look at polling, it is that like 65% of people think abortion should be legal with very little or no restrictions in the first trimester. And then it's a roughly similar majority think it should be illegal with some restrictions with some exceptions in the second trimester. And then a, a flat out majority thinks it should actually be completely illegal in the third trimester. Now, what this means is that in that first trimester, there are pro-life people who think abortion is acceptable. And it means that in the second and third trimesters, there are pro-choice people who think it's not. <laughs> like, that's people fair. are both. <laughs> so that's my sort of long-winded answer about me personally. But why I also think the labels in this case, have, I think they've really proven more unhelpful than anything else to the uh, way the country thinks about the issue. It's actually really funny that you say that because after I had everyone answer this question, I was going to say effectively the same thing and then move on to my next actual question. You ruined it, Anthony. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, you guys love to do that. If you didn't, but say, it's okay. if you didn't say it's what I was going to say. So, you know. That's well, that's great. Right great minds. Great minds. All right. Okay. For you, would you want to jump in or no? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't okay. know if you guys were finished. Um, I'll jump in. I think abortion is a, a tricky thing because it goes all the way from people having to make tough choices after a rape or finding out about some sort of disease to eugenics, you know, and um, and all that goes into that and how toxic that that whole discussion can become with selecting who lives and who dies or population control or whatever people want to choose in that space. As far as me personally, though, um, when I, because of how my life has shaped up, I've had the luxury of uh, being, uh, having the belief that I have, and that belief is pro-life. I am pro-life because um, I was married to my husband for 20 some odd years. I had children in that context, I felt very safe. I didn't have to deal with certain issues. I didn't have to deal with um, certain illnesses. Everything worked out well. And so I wasn't exposed to anything that people might say they'd be exposed to that would cause them to want to consider abortion. Um, however, in my friend group, there are people who have, there are people who mad, made bad decisions with a partner that pregnant, told the partner, he disappeared. They were stuck with the decision and they were a freshman in college and can't go back home. Like, what am I going to do? What, you know, people get stuck in, in, in bad decisions or, you know, they are on a date and someone takes advantage of them or whatever the scenario is. But being pro-life and having the luxury to be pro-life also makes me lean the other way. I don't want to choose that for you and your family. I don't want to choose that for any of your wives. Being pro-life is being pro-woman. And what I'm basically saying is I think every woman needs to choose that for herself. I think every woman should have complete autonomy of her body. Um, I don't want to have to have her explain herself to me. I don't know what her life is like. I don't know what she's going through. That's between her, herself, her healthcare provider, her God, whomever. But it, it's not, in my opinion, right for me to lord my belief over her when I'm coming from a context uh, that affords me the voice that I have, quite honestly. I think that if I had a different walk, 
or if I've been through some of the things that some of the other women had, had been through. I was speaking to uh, a woman my age, but she got pregnant when she was 14 by some guy who was like 27. You know, I don't know all the details there, but they were bad. And um, her family came down on her hard, you know, and she actually, had a, as a 14 year old, wanted to keep the baby. But when the guy gave the money to have the abortion, gave it to her mom, they she got pushed into that space. That's another part of the discussion, too. Women aren't the only ones making those decisions, but I feel like they're being unfairly pounced upon. And I don't I don't think that's that's fair. Long story short, give women the autonomy. If they make a mistake, it's between them and their God. You never know what somebody's gone through or going through. And we're so heavy handed when it comes to politics. That's I think politics should stay out of that space. There's just some things we can't arbitrarily measure. It's not about 15 weeks. It's not about 24 weeks. It's about a person's entire life. That child has to get here. Somebody has to fund the care of that child, um, fund the care of the mother or the parents or whomever's responsible for healing and taking care of the child. It's just, there's so many moving parts. And to just make it into a couple of weeks of someone's life, I think doesn't make any sense to me. So that's my my stance on it. Pro-life, but when it comes to government, stay out of people's lives. <laughs> you know. I respect that. Mm-hmm. I think we personally, all the people that I've talked to, uh, I, I got some of the questions that I'm going to ask you guys were actually, I was going to mention this earlier, are actually questions that I got from people uh, who specifically wanted me to ask these questions to this group this time. Uh, so I wanted to kind of do that a tad bit differently. I won't say exactly who these questions are from, but I will ask, I will let you guys know if this is a question from an outside source rather than a question that I made, uh, because I, I want that to be, to be acknowledged whenever that happens. Um, but yeah, Alex. I'm pro-privacy. Mm. I like that. business. Yeah. Can I co-sign on that? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, that I, is what it's all about. Say, um, my mother-in-law, um, so was was graced in 1991 with twins, and they desperately wanted a third child. And she, uh, say, and uh, say, and in 1993 she was pregnant, and fairly far along, before she had a miscarriage, and then was traumatized over and over and over again by members of her community asking what happened to the baby did you do the thing Hmm. it's like no first of all fuck you um (laughs) if i didn't tell you it's none of your business second of all um even if i did you know nothing i respect that too i think i think that that's that's another thing that kind of this a lot a lot of this really boils down to is is how much of your business are other people slash the government allowed to be in because that's usually the core of a lot of people's issues uh either with or for abortion is is specifically how how much you are allowed as like a person with beliefs or the government in general uh how 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 much of a impact do they have in the decisions that you can make um, really overall, but obviously right now we're talking about abortion as a whole. Um, 
the other, the only other question I have specifically regarding abortion before we start talking about Roe versus Wade here um, is, do you believe, hang on, let me make sure I'm saying this right. I lost it, hang on. How professional. Shut your face, Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X wouldn't have done that. <laughs> that's true that's true oh, what professor x are you <laughs> doesn't matter privacy Charles Xavier's a, like I say, is, is a lot of things an asshole is among them yes yes he is okay um i i wrote this so poorly why why did i write that so badly the question uh, is why is this so funny to me right <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I made this question while having a conversation with somebody and I pulled up my notes app very, very quickly and only wrote down like very specific things. So I'm actually trying to fashion this like loose set of notes into an actual question. This is so, going to be fun. I can yeah. feel it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, basically if, if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, the, the, the point of the question is, do you believe that the act of abortion is something the government should have any say in, or is it something that should only remain a personal choice? I see this falls under medical care to me and under those HIPAA rules, this should be all private, right? So I don't think the government should have, why is this medical procedure like pulled out from underneath that covering. You know what I mean? Well, if I provide the, I said I was going to just, up, I mentioned this to you as well, Francine, and I'll mention it here so that you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, try to provide a, the best counter argument from the other side, even if it's not one I always completely embrace, I think it's worth doing in it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the response to that would be abortion is a medical procedure that deals with another person and that the government's interest lies in what you do to other people, which is something we allow the government to do. Like you are allowed to do things, but if what you are doing is directly impacting other people, we we sometimes do allow that to be an area the government can regulate. So So this is a whole, the whole, like you are allowed to drink in your house but you are not allowed to drink and drive, right? Now, this isn't the same. I'm just saying their argument would be Mm -hmm. that um, a fetus is a person and the procedure impacts that person. And and that is the government's interest. And again, it's one we typically allow. Uh, Now, I know from having a previous discussion with you, Alex, I know what your response to this will be. And I'm, I'm anxious to see if you'll make it here and now. Um, Are you feeling I bold, they, Alex? We'll see. Oh, we'll see because he may know where I'm going here. Because you mentioned you mentioned kids and parents, he may know where this is going. Um, <laughs> you would have the right to expose your kids to some amount of risk, but you don't have the right to hurt your kids. And again, this is their argument, and this is where you get into like life. And and I, we, Alex and I talked extensively about this. When a when a clump of cells turns into a person and when that person gains rights is like 
there is not an actual answer here. There is no, the government cannot provide you one. You are only guided by your own spirituality and morality. You are only guided by your own intellect. That is the only thing that can help you find out how you personally feel about that answer. We're all expecting the government to, to tell us that, is, that this does not exist, right? Um, because at some point during nine months, a lot of people will say, this is now a person. And because we then say people have the right to like life and liberty and all that stuff, they gain those natural rights. But this is not a thing the government can answer for you. This is not a thing other people can answer. I, can't I don't, answer I don't think you. the government is really equipped to not no. only answer that question, but even to operate in that space. Okay. No, they're not. If, if they're, parents they're not. can decide to not let their kids wear a mask and some of them have gotten sick and died, we've we pointed that out in stories on our on our social media mm-hmm. and nobody said anything. <laughs> but there are um, people who think those parents should be found responsible for that. Yeah, they're probably. But there's not this. Uh, the Supreme Court isn't debating that they're debating whether or not a woman has a right to decide whether or not she wants to have an abortion. Yeah. And or and and some states have gone as far as to create bullying tactics, uh, turning neighbor against neighbor to turn people in. You don't even have to be from that state. And it's just a mess. Now, it's it's. Yeah. Sorry. What you highlighted, I think, is a funny thing, though, which is that the minute a child is born, the politics of this actually flip almost (laughs) 180. So the, the, the people who think parents should be held responsible for not putting masks on their kids are the people who are pro choice. <laughs> and so it's it's like a 180 flip like the people who think oh you are responsible for exposing your kids to COVID or like handing your kid a gun are the people who think you are who are also pro because again the politics of this flip the minute a child exits a womb it flips and like because, okay, you, because like in terms of social policies like progressives are pro-life in terms of social policies in terms of like we should have the government do things to help you sustain and support yourself and again because this all flips the minute you leave the womb it spins on its head completely say uh it's, isn't it it's really it's really bizarre and uh, like discomforting to me that the pro-life movement in the united states treats um children like they're comic books <laughs> the moment yes. you're at the moment they're outside of their protective sleeve they're useless <laughs> which i'll note is a thing that the pro-life movement is going to have to grapple with here soon probably yeah. as in next year they are going to have to grapple with what it means to be pro-life in a world where uh getting rid of abortion means you have kids to take care of now i can tell you what it means for me being pro-life for me moving forward means that this is a personal moral decision for me um i share that view with my children but they choose what they feel is best for them it's it's a very simple uh, but i mean in terms of social policy like healthcare. oh i see part of being pro-life in a world where abortion is no longer legal if that's that, what you want in your state, means supporting policies that allow parents or new parents or young parents or kids to be supported and sustained in those communities. If you are going but, to, but now, see that is pro life to me. Pro life to me extends to uh, something unpopular, like I don't like the death penalty. It yeah. uh, it extends to giving more uh, money over for families and children. 
because I believe not only in getting the life here, but helping to sustain the life and quality of life. I mean, it's, it has to be principled all the way across. It's not just in the political arena for me. It's a a way of, of life. Now for those people who play politics with pro-life, yeah, they're going to probably have to decide their next strategy. I think that's where you're going. Yeah. Oh, they're going to have some decisions to make, but I didn't want, but I've talked enough. So I, Alex, I know you want to jump in or whatever. I've talked. Sorry. Uh, Josh, did you uh, I say we, we can just move on to the next point because I, I I got a <laughs> I have a thesis and we're going we we'll get there. Okay. Um, well, actually, I, I I love the way that you guys think because there's there there are so many scenarios in where like I create a discussion usually around a specific few questions that will then either lead into other questions or lead into additional points. And one of the things that I was going to talk about with regarding abortion was what happens, at least in my mind, if we in fact outlaw them, like if they become illegal, that then means that we'll have to deal with children and people hate dealing with children legally. So (laughs) um, that actually leads me into a lot of the questions that I had regarding the current state of Roe versus Wade. We know that it's it's currently being argued. Um, And so I have one question is from me and two two of these questions are from other people. Um, The first question I wanna start is uh, a question from a a close friend of mine. Um, What are the chances, you guys think, what are the chances of Roe versus Wade being repealed at a federal level? Wait, all right, so first of all, that's that's a non-equiter. Well, non-starter throw that out throw that out of there right because not there's no law it's not there's not there's not a law like roe v wade is a, is a court case the supreme sure. court just they just decided they just said um this technically violates the 14th amendment right to privacy we have decided this therefore it is true right That's, it would be better if it was a law it, this we would wouldn't have been be having infinitely this better if congress if if Congress well, access just abortion, access to abortion in actual law, <laughs> so um, is is Roe v. Wade going to be overturned? Um, yes, uh, almost certainly. Very um, high. Justin, I say Justice Roberts has uh, made his opinion very clear on what he wants to do, and the rest of the in the five members of the conservative branch had told him, "Go kick rocks." No one cares uh, about what you have to say. This is correct. Yeah. <laughs> He has tried to navigate some middle line, and, and it is clear that no one is interested in what he has to say on either side. Just no one really gives a damn about what the chief justice feels. Well, on he hasn't subject. really said anything that to move the discussion further. Oh, he knows no. he's tried. He has <laughs> no. tried on multiple. On, All he's he, done is he repeat it. Yes. When he when he was able to ask questions, he made it very clear. I want to make like a really narrow, like a really narrow uh, ruling here and keep all of our precedent and like make the Supreme Court not look like garbage. Um, but you know, uh, or a bunch of partisan hacks, which it is, but, um, he's trying, he's trying very hard and, uh, no one is, no one is on board because there's the the thing that's being argued is there's a Mississippi law and it's clear that justice Roberts is on board with supporting the Mississippi law, which is like 15 weeks. Right. Taking 24 to 15. Right. Right. That's where he wants to go. But it appears that the other five conservatives actually want to go further and go after Roe versus Wade 
Now, we're not sure about the Kavanaugh-Barrett combo is a little less clear, though some of their questions that they were asking kind of tipped their hand. Uh, we know where Thomas and Alito and, and, and Gorsuch are. Like, Gorsuch's questions were pretty clear-cut, and Thomas and Alito have been anti-Roe uh, forever. Like, we know there's two. We're almost certainly there's three. Can Roberts... Now, look. Um, I say the odds are high, but not 100, because the well, Supreme no, Court people do change certain. their mind. Like, very famously, uh, with, I think, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, Kennedy, I think famously or infamously, changed his mind after oral arguments. He was swayed by the arguments of the legal community uh, because they, I mean, the next six months, they're going to discuss this. They're going to write opinions and counter opinions. They'll share their opinions so that they know what they're responding to. They'll all have a chance to argue this. And there is, I mean, Roberts, I'm assuming, is going to try to sway Barrett and Kavanaugh. But don't they have the option of basically kicking the can down the road? Well, yes. And so always. that's what I, well, that's what I predict. Yes. I predict that based on some comments by Amy Coney Barrett yep. and her concerns about how they're looking politically around this issue, and there was another issue, I think that. It, people are not only choosing their words, they're choosing, trying to choose their moments, right? So I think there is a concern, I think, Anthony, you said it, uh, about looking like a political hack. They don't want to look like they've been placed to do a job and do the hit, and then that's all they are. These people do care about their legacy. So um, I predict that there's going to be a lot of discussion, and I also predict they're going to kick this issue down the line. And probably not have the decision that anybody wants them to have. Just a, a non-decision decision. <laughs> ACB go. is, I say, uh, you are correct. ACB is um, is playing a game, but she's she's targeting you, Francine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to be a partisan hack, but I, I don't want to look like one. Um, I'm about. I, I would say about seventy thirty that I think Roe falls but uh yeah so I think Roe that- it's a legal precedent and i think we've given too much weight to it out of our ignorance and out of the narrative that was created during that time right it was one case it was not <laughs> truth for everyone all at once across the country and i think that this is a great time to do some education around what so it is <laughs> that's not how the law works all right. I said, okay. So the law can't work. Anthony and I had this discussion yesterday. The law can't work the way that you were describing it. Okay. The sh- law works on the principle of stare decisis. Let the decision stand. So you have to respect what came before you and use what came before you as uh, say, as a uh, reference for judge, like for judging what comes, like what's in front of you mm-hmm. and for reference for what comes after. So and that's, how the how whole, did, that's how all of that's how all of law works. That's how the whole justice system works. Because otherwise, you don't have a justice system. What you have is Judge Fiat, or you have Texas, or you have Mississippi, right? So that I mean, it, those aren't judges. I mean, say th- like those are <laughs> say judges are following laws. Congress makes laws. Judges do not. Judges well, just interpret laws. What's the law here? What's the law to follow here? Well, where Texas, where is the law? 
Well, uh, that so this leads. This is our problem. Roe v. Wade isn't a law. That was the point case. I was making. Yeah, that it's was just a court case. So do you know right. who? I, so the law is what te- is what Texas says. So now the, now the argument for the defense is that we've established that this is covered under the Fourteenth Amendment. This law is a violation of the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, and you can make that argument. Well, the argument is actually that what they're doing is in violation of Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Correct. Which is, but because Planned Parenthood okay. versus Casey is tied to Roe, I don't think you can get rid of one without getting rid of the other. Correct. So the Planned Parenthood versus Casey, for, I mean, if we all may know, people out there don't know, the way to think about it, Roe versus Wade gives you the constitutional right to an abortion under the 14th Amendment. Planned Parenthood versus Casey sets up the, t- the test based around viability. So the current standard is you cannot restrict abortion before mm-hmm. viability, mm-hmm. Um, which is 22, 23 weeks, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that after viability, you can restrict access to abortion. So the Texas law, if they were to strike it down, which they, I think they would have if they, that's a different thing, is, is, is in violation of Planned Parenthood versus Casey because it's very obviously restricting abortion access. That's the reason most of these laws are actually struck down. Um, when you look at these decisions, when states try to do this, it's not that they're in violation of Roe, it's that they are in violation of Casey um, because they're restricting access before viability. Mm -hmm. So, um, Well, let's go back for a second because people still have the argument that dealing with Roe v. Wade, the way that the Supreme Court is starting to discuss not just the Planned Parenthood case, but the Roe v. Wade case, throws it takes it out of the federal sphere and throws all of the control over laws potential laws that could govern abortion to the states right so that appears to be the biggest argument for people who are still you know talking roe v wade it's about giving the states the the space to interpret whether or not abortion violates a woman's right well this is a sham this is the no. I'm just same, stating. No, I'm just I'm restating. Saying, this is the same argument. Well, this the Civil War was about states' rights. The federal law, law doesn't get to say if people are people. The states get to decide. Um, the state gets to decide what exactly that that you get to own slaves. Oh, so this is about slavery. This let's be very clear. No, no, no. It's about states' rights. States' rights to what? But it is a strategy. That people are utilizing. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you. But what I'm saying is that if they pick off this issue state by state, it's a lot smaller dragon to fight than to try to do it the way they were doing it and not gaining any ground. That's all I'm saying. I'm just making that observation. I'm not disagreeing with you. And yes, that 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 with everything you're saying, I hear, I've seen, and I agree with. But it is a strategy in play. Yes. Yep. So and, um, the fun, another fun, fun little <laughs> tidbit about my discussion here um, is that the only the only question that I had prepared regarding this was exactly that. A lot of uh, a number of people who are specifically arguing against removing or overturning Roe versus Wade, I, I ended up using the term overturn and um, overturn and uh, repeal interchangeably, although those are technically two very different things. Thank you, Alex, 
for correcting me. I appreciate that. Um, they want it to be moved to the state level. So that way is an, it is an, in fact an easier battle to fight. My question is if it does get moved to the state level, how many states do you think would overturn it? I don't think it's All as right. many as people what do you, think. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? Go so on. as of right now, as, as we've discussed, people want to move the discussion for overturning Roe versus Wade to be on a state level rather than the federal. So in that regard, or a state court rather than Supreme Court. Um, in that regard, my question is to you guys, if it does get moved down to the state, how many states do you think would overturn it? 36. I don't think it's gonna be as many as people think. But because people are trying to attract remote workers and workers really fiercely now. Um, so I think states are going to start considering how they play the, that hand. Some states aren't going to think. They're going to like, hey, you know, these are our people, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama. This is what they want. These are our, this is our strongholds. That's it. We're so sorry, go ahead, Francie. No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. So, but places like Indiana, I think they're going to teeter, you know, places like Ohio, I think they're going to teeter a little bit. I think they're going to volley a little bit with the issue so this will this would rapidly become a political issue and it would be red states versus blue states and there would be about i'll i'll there are like so there are like 33 states that would just be like there are no abortion there are like 10 states 11 states that would be like all abortion is legal um and there would be like three states that might have like some reasonable um like be careful with the word ground. reasonable. Be careful with the word reasonable. Right? I, I, I'm saying I. Sorry, I'm, trying I'm, to saying, I'm saying re- yeah. Yeah, they would try to pick yeah. some some position in the middle. Gotcha. Yeah. But gotcha. there are like three of those. I mean. Okay, I get what you're saying. I, so. This really goes back to the point that Alex and guys were saying earlier when you think think that the Supreme Court is going to go against the Roe v. Wade tide. It's the next step. Right. So I actually, I try to think about this and what one instance I think about is what we saw with uh, healthcare, which is we see a lot of chatter about what they'll do, but then we see all these states decide to take the money (laughs) and they slowly expand Medicaid. Now they, they crow about it Mm -hmm. every chance they get. And then they take the money and they expand anyway, Mm -hmm. because They love to crow about the money, but then they also know their voters want them to like take the damn money and expand Medicaid, bro. Like we don't actually want to do that. Like we're not, we just like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So because politicians are, they're a cowardly bunch. <laughs> and if they're looking at their voters and they're like, so wait a minute, you mean we, we we can actually get rid of abortion? Yeah, you can do the thing you've been talking about for the last 50 years. Go ahead, do it. But but some people might dislike us. I know. Now it's your problem. And then they have to think <laughs> about population. They also have to think about corporations. There are actual <laughs> right. large corporations who follow certain political trends. Right. right I mean, so. we saw this play out again at the federal level. We actually saw this play out with healthcare uh, under Trump, which is they didn't think Trump was going to win. So they talked a lot about repealing Obamacare because they thought Clinton was going to win and didn't think they'd have to actually take a vote on it. And then Trump won and they had to take a vote. And it turned out 
They didn't have any backup plans. Their plan was to just throw people off healthcare. And you could see that they were all like, we don't really want to do this, except we kind of have to because we kept telling people we would. Now, they were saved by John McCain, who prevented themselves from like jumping to political suicide. Mm. So clearly, I think part of what's happening here is in a world where they knew Roe and Casey would stop them from actually getting rid of abortion. They've been crowing about getting rid of abortion, knowing they would never actually have to do it. Some of these laws you see places like Indiana or Ohio try to pass, they're so clearly unconstitutional that it's, there's not a lawyer on earth who thinks that a heartbeat ban is going to pass. It's so clearly in violation of Casey that it's laughable to even try. That's not a real attempt to get rid of Roe or Casey. That's just political point scoring. But now, well, now you will pass an actual law. And I think you will see some of them who will like, they'll blink. Some of the states who we don't think will blink, I think some of them will. Now, yes, you will have the crazy states. They're going to they're, they're gonna go all the way. Um, and they're going to ban it, period. And that is a thing that will happen. But I think there's a solid chunk in the middle who they're going to go, oh, oh, if I send this to the governor's desk and he signs it, I'm on the hook for the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, like, like, look, uh, what is it? Heavy is the head. Heavy uh, is the head. That wh- wears the crown. The crown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, so, okay, you're the boss now. That's fine. Whatever you say is the law in, in, in Kentucky. So go ahead. Tell women they have to like run to California to get an abortion. Go ahead. You try that one on. And I think you will see some states blink now. Would I get, can I give a number to answer the question, Josh? No, because these are going to be political calculations and uh, no one never, you never, no one has ever made any money betting on what a politician will do. So I'm not going <laughs> to. States are paying people to come and live in them. You know, they're paying people to relocate. They're giving them houses. You know, there's even a town or two here in Indiana that's doing that. So with the push to keep uh, population as much as possible. I, I, I don't know if they're going to have the stomach to go beyond talking certain states, you know, so. And one more thing I think I'll note to follow up on, on what you said, Francine, to follow up on this whole conversation. In a lot of these states, <laughs> what would happen is that, like in Indiana, how this actually, so we're all, you know, we're all here in Indiana, how this actually plays out in Indiana is that the legislator and maybe the governor end up fighting with all the mayors because the mayors are in blue cities mm. and whatever the hell Holcomb or the, whatever they want to do, Indianapolis does not want to do that. Mm. And the mayor of Indianapolis is not going to be on board for like a total abortion ban. And that goes for like Fort Wayne and that goes for South, South Bend, Bend. Yeah. and that goes for basically all the big cities, except maybe Evansville, which is more or less Kentucky. In terms of politics, but like this does so, Alex, you you go to school there in Bloomington. They're not on board for this. So what will happen is, oh, you're going to ban abortions. That's cool. All your blue cities are going to fight you, tooth and nail. They're going to fight you every. You're going to fight with all of your mayors, tooth and nail. And we've seen even with stuff like how they treated COVID in some cases. When they're like, do we want to fight all of our mayors? No, we do. We do not. So like Holcomb here just re-upped his emergency powers. Yeah. However he feels about it, he doesn't probably want to fight all of his mayors over it. He's like, no, 
I just, I, I'm not willing to do that. So the politics of this are going to be really tricky. I mean, even in a place like Texas, like, are you going to, do you want to fight Dallas and Houston and San Antonio really forever, nonstop until the end of time? Because that's what you'll be doing. And like, dude, you're, say, we're going to so, arrest people. Oh, so you're going to march who? Who are you going to march into like Indianapolis? But see, that's the, the thing. Police? Now you're you're, you're going to force judges to legislate from the bench now if that happens. Yeah, and that's can. what we don't want to have happen continuously. Well, but we don't but want that what, type of that's what Roe v. Wade is. What they argued in Roe v. Wade was not just legislating. They were interpreting whether or not it went a went against a constitutional element. There was no value judgment given to whether or not abortions should be legal. There was no value judgment given to when life began or what have you. The Planned Parenthood case is the one that kind of that had, in my opinion, had that discussion more. Right. Um, And that's my opinion. So my my question there is uh, where in the 14th Amendment does it say that you uh... So where is in the 14th Amendment, is there the right to privacy? Okay, let's pull up the 14th Amendment. I, mean, I guess well, we're going to have that talk. <laughs> Sorry, I'll let this one play out. I, I don't want to. So, so this is because this is this is the crux of the issue. It, it doesn't. Well, and it's, it's, it's an inferred thing based on yeah, like the First is. Amendment says. There's an interpretation that like the First Amendment says you have a right to privacy of speech. Sure, but where did which that is come a, from, Anthony? Which is a way to interpret it. <laughs> yeah, you're right you're right where did that come from again oh it was from a court case right we just okay let me hold on let's is- jump in there let me jump in there all persons born or naturalized in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the united states and of the state wherein they reside no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the united states nor shall any state deprive any person of life liberty or property without due process of the law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws the law that people tried to lay down regarding abortion infringed upon this woman's rights that's basically all it comes down to and the the difficulty is when the government tries to decide how to govern a a piece of a person as opposed to the whole person it it gets into tricky space i don't think it works so i i totally agree francine and so i'm gonna i'm sorry josh anything you had planned is now just dead i want you to know um i i'm gonna pull out the i'm gonna pull out the the thesis (laughs) his thesis begins i'm gonna mute myself here we go (laughs) all right uh so is everyone familiar familiar with the violinist analogy no so this was by Judith uh, Jarvis Thompson. It was published in the 70s. Oh, yes. 1971. Sorry. Yes, 1971. I am. I am familiar with it. Sorry. So it goes something like this. So the, the issue at the, the course of the crux of the abortion debate is the right to bodily autonomy of, of say, of the woman and the right to life of of say of the baby of the fetus of the person whatever noun you want to use so we okay so just read read with me for a moment suppose that what that the right to life position is correct that this person has a right to life and that exceeds your bodily autonomy here is i now pose you a thought experiment and i'd like you to na- like to then consider 
uh, the results of this. So you wake up in the morning and find yourself back to back in bed with an unconscious violinist, a famous unconscious violinist. He has been found to have a fatal kidney ailment and the Society of Music Lovers has canvassed all available medical records and has found that you alone have the right blood type to help. You have therefore been kidnapped and last night the violinist circulatory system was plugged into yours so that your kidneys could be used to extract poisons from his blood as well as your own. The director of the hospital now says, look, we're sorry that the Society of Music Lovers did this to you. And we would normally uh, never have permitted this if we had known, but they did it. And the violinist is now plugged into you. To unplug you would be to kill him. Uh, but never mind if it's, you know, it's only for nine months. By, uh, by then he will have recovered from his ailment and he will safely be unplugged from you. Uh, it is morally incumbent upon you, to, sorry, is it morally incumbent upon you to accede to this situation? Now. That only covers part of the discussion for me, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, well, so the violinist argument is the one that's been probably the most, it's like the most cited argument in, 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 in the pro-choice sort of community over time. But it has been refined because the initial argument applies most directly to instances of rape. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because yeah. of the, the issue for, of- It was forcibly done to you without correct. your consent. Sure. Which is, which is not the case for most pregnancies. Is that this would be like you hooked yourself up to the, to the guy. Sure. Like you decided to, to hook yourself up to this person. Um, and so that's one aspect of it. Um, oh, so it becomes a question of, do you get to change your mind? <laughs> well, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amongst, I mean, amongst other things, the point being, the point being in a, uh, I mean, it fit 1970s, but it doesn't fit so, where I think we are today. That's, okay. So you're right. So, um, I'll, I'll like, allow me to like, you know, make some amendments to this. Yeah. So if you're right to bodily autonomy, can be overwritten by someone else's right to life. You could therefore, like the legal argument then must be that you could be compelled to provide um, your bodily resources to other people if it saves their life without threatening yours. So are you telling me that my citizenship is suspended during pregnancy based on that analogy? Well, I'm telling you <laughs> that if you believe that your that someone else's right to life supersedes someone else's right to bodily autonomy, you could be you would be compelled, um, say if uh, a situation arose, to donate anything of yourself that was non-fatal to you to that person. After all, without you, they would die, and, and they that have the right to live. Women die a lot right now during childbirth and women, some women are scarred in such ways that they don't ever really recoup who they were before. So, I mean, it's almost like we don't understand what it what goes into, not, I'm not talking necessarily about this group, but the entire discussion, the pro-life, all of this, it, it loses it, it, it. What's lost in that argument is everything that it takes to bring a child into the world. 
everything that it costs to bring a child into the world. And I'm not just talking about money, but that's a part of it. And, and it's, it's almost uh, crude to just water it down to, to that. There's so much more at stake. And at the end of the day, we just don't really understand as much about it as we think we do. That's why I personally think we should stay out of the, the people who are closest to understanding it would probably be doctors who take care of, of women in those conditions and the women themselves who have learned to listen to their bodies and their situations who have to make decisions that affect not only them, but the family they may already have. Um, and, and the cost that could, oh gosh, it's so expensive bringing up two kids. I had two kids. My grandmother had 11 kids and I, I just don't know how a human being can do that. But especially with all the things that go in, into it, I think that, um, and for anybody who is a, a pro-lifer in particular, let's, I want us to really show more compassion uh, for what it takes to, to bring life in here. Because when we argue about maintaining life, we, we very rarely talk about what it takes to sustain that life over time and the, the investment that we make people ashamed of needing in order to take care of their families. So I'm sorry, I went off on a bend. Piggybacking on that uh, and to, to kind of wrap this up a tad, because uh, as Alex mentioned, the rest of my points were effectively invalid. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I do want to say that one thing that consistently bothers me um, as we have several of these discussions specifically regarding both pro-life and pro-choice. And this is part of the reason why I was going to say that those monikers are effectively both unhelpful and in many ways not accurate, is the fact that uh, so many people who claim to be pro-life only care about that life while it is in someone else. But a lot of, as Alex has already, or Anthony has already mentioned, a lot of these people who don't necessarily care about the children that these, you know, these possible no longer or possibly no longer protected abortions uh, might bring into the world still need to be taken care of in some way. And so one of the things that I think this calls a lot of attention to that a lot of people generally don't pay attention to are things like uh, the foster care system, are things like uh, general child care, uh, a lot of things that people in many ways, uh, especially disenfranchised people, have to rely on like government assistance and other things along those lines, because not everyone is prepared to deal with the consequences of actually having children. And so I think personally, like Francine said, there are too many variables for this to be cut and dry. I think they're, they're my own personal opinion is that this is something that the government should not tackle because it is in many ways too personal and there's no good way to appease everybody because everyone's situation is different. And that's the problem that we generally have is that we're, we're fastening one glove for many different sides of hands and there's no way to make that glove fit everybody, even if it might fit a good number of people. So with that being said, this podcast has been brought to you in part by LEI Productions, the studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts and articles. We love interacting with you guys there. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you at home for listening, and we will see you next time. Josh out.